and welcome to the Superhero Soundtrack Show, the podcast that explores the musical scores and soundtracks from all your favourite comic book movies and TV shows. I'm your host, Alex Robson, and for the first episode of this podcast, we are going to explore one of my favourite superhero scores of all time, the soundtrack for Batman, released in 1989 and music composed by Danny Elfman. superhero movie genre changed forever with the release of Batman. The hype for this film was phenomenal. The bat signal was everywhere, people were shaving it into their heads, getting tattoos of it, and the excitement for this film was beyond anything the world had ever seen before. With Tim Burton as director, the controversial choice of casting Michael Keaton, aka Mr. Mom, as Batman and Bruce Wayne, and the insane merchandising deal that Jack Nicholson demanded in order to play the Joker, this movie was already off to a rocky start and received a lot of doubt from comic book fans. And this was before the internet even existed. Warner Brothers received over 50,000 pieces of mail, and back then, that was the only way for anyone to speak out about things that they disliked. As I I said before the internet this film really had a lot of controversy behind it before it even started filming and on top of all of that so many established franchises were already being released that year for example you had lethal weapon 2 indiana jones and the last crusade back to the future 2 ghostbusters 2 james bond in a new license to kill adventure and the little mermaid yet Batman, with its stylized gothic look, intense performances, and dark, mood-setting music, made it the highest-grossing film of that year. And that's what I'm here to talk about today, the music. The score that Elfman produces for this film is a masterpiece. The dark tones and driving march he produced is still considered to be the definitive Batman theme to this day. But where did this score come from? What inspired it? And why the hell was it so dark and ominous when everyone knew Batman as this version?
successful as the Adam West Batman TV show was, director Tim Burton wanted to create a darker and moodier Gotham City, inspired by the 1927 film Metropolis and also popular comic books such as The Killing Joke and The Dark Knight Returns. Burton knew that the music had to evoke that same feel. After working with Elfman on Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice, he naturally selected Elfman to score this film as well. However, Elfman was hesitant, as this was much more highbrow than what he was used to, and the pressure you felt when creating the music was immense. Batman was, and still rates as, the most difficult and challenging movie experience I ever had in my life. And what do you do for a living? I had only, at that point, done comedies. Nice outfit. And nobody wanted me on the film, except for Tim. There was a point, I remember, my second or third presentation, and John Peters was in the room. And I didn't know how to present music to a producer at that point, so I was playing all this kind of weird stuff that I was coming up with. And then Tim said, play the march, play the march. I played that and suddenly John started conducting in the room and Tim gave me a look like I think we're in and it actually came back to me and I finished the score and it paid off I've never had an experience that difficult since then before Elfman created this iconic march the original idea from Warner Brothers Studios was to not only have big actors names like Jack Nicholson attached to this film but to also have big pop music names attached to it as well the studio wanted Prince to write the music for the Joker and Michael Jackson to write the music for the love songs Elfman was then tasked with having to combine these two pop stars and make their sound cohesive and blended into the film Burton and Elfman obviously protested this idea, and after the iconic march was created, they compromised by only having print songs included in the film, but not as part of the main score, instead used as diegetic sound. And we'll get into that diegetic sound portion of this film later on. But can you imagine what a different type of movie it would have been if we had Prince and Michael Jackson writing the music for Batman? It would have been another commercialized film of its time and not hold up like it does today. Because of Elfman's score, it creates this timeless masterpiece and it just really blends into the film where you can pick it up 30 years later and still enjoy it. So why did Burton choose Elfman for Batman? What made him think that this new composer to this film scene, who originally came from a rock band called Oingo Boingo, was up to the challenge? I loved films, and I loved film scoring. So suddenly I had a chance to kind of dabble in this, and I wanted to do more, but I was in a band and touring and doing albums. I used to go see his band before I was doing movies and clubs and just always felt like his music was uh, very filmic. So after Beetlejuice, I got a call from Tim saying, I'm doing this thing, you might be interested in it. And he sent me the Dark Knight comics. That was much more up my alley than what I had known of the original Batman comics as a kid. And then there was a point where they went into production and I flew out to London and went out in the set. The very first film he did, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, um, came out of the blue, kind of. He was looking for a, a low, a low profile, and this one was like a little higher profile than he wanted. And he took me along as a safety net. I really got my initial ideas from walking around at night on the set of uh, Gotham. But the 
Batman theme, I just looked for something that had the components that could be mysterious, that could be dark, that could also get fun, and can also have a driving heroism, too, always keeping that dark side to it. come up with a good one you know that's hard to do to come up with what the batman character is kind of dark but adventure and moving and operatic all those things at once i wasn't trying to come up with something that people would remember so much as something that fit the footage you know i always just think of what plays this footage and i needed something heroic and simple and in that simplicity you have building blocks and you can use different building blocks and expand on them So I wasn't necessarily consciously graphing it, blocking it out that way, but my instincts were old-fashioned instincts in that regard. Especially any film of this genre, you're going to have different places to go with your heroes and with your villains. The pen is truly mightier than the sword. Like all good film scores, Elfman based his Batman score around the characters. Like an opera... Each character had their own definitive theme tune and would announce them when they appeared on screen. But he didn't stop there. Elfman also created music for various locations in Gotham City and even for Batman's arsenal of vehicles. We'll start by reviewing the film's main score, the Batman theme, or Batmarch as I also like to call it, which we are introduced right at the beginning of the film. The theme consists of two parts, which I will call Part A and part B. Here's part A first. the difference the b theme is driven by the percussion section of the orchestra and is the main march sequence of the batman score it's mostly played during action sequences or moments of tension or triumph during the film which we will explore later on the a theme is different in its composition and completely relies on the strings and the horns of the orchestra
The A-theme is also used in many different ways in this film and sets the tone of the scene. For example, the A-theme is used when Batman first appears in the Axis Chemicals plant, when he swoops down in front of the gangsters, and like an opera, he enters the scene with this music announcing his presence to the villains. A theme is played again when Batman makes a quick getaway this time in the Axis chemical plant after being cornered by the police. Throwing down a smoke capsule and firing up a grappling hook, he soars up through a cloud of smoke and disappears as the A theme plays ominously. Who is this guy? I don't know. Until we find out, keep a lid on it. Other times, the A-theme is used in a more sombre way, changing its tone to match the more dark and emotional side of what we're watching on screen, such as when Bruce is laying flowers on the street in the spot where his parents were shot and killed. We get the A-theme again, but this time in a mysterious and creepy moody sort of way as Bruce Wayne spies on his party guests at Wayne Manor. And finally, it's even used in the love theme between Bruce Wayne and Vicki Vale when the role of Batman takes precedent over their relationship. But this title score is not like your normal superhero theme tune. Unlike the usual uplifting and inspiring themes that would represent our hero, like Star Wars, Superman, or Indiana Jones, coincidentally all written by composer John Williams, Elfman did something different with his score here. He changed the tone of the hero's music and turned the hero theme more into the music that you would typically hear for the villain. A dark, ominous, operatic piece of music that would be found in a horror film like Dracula. Most of the work of Batman was, you know, establishing the tone of the movie and Gotham and everything else. Let's go. My most fun moment actually was recording it and actually hearing the music coming together in the studio. And then there was a point where John Peters started like picking up his cell phone, turning it on, holding it up to the speakers. And he'd be having people back home in LA say, check this out, check this out, check this, listen to this. I remember him coming up and saying, Danny, we're going to do a separate soundtrack album for just the score. I figured this is producer, hot air. And he did. I don't understand what makes Batman popular. I didn't expect Batman to do really well when I was working on it. My balloons. These things always surprise me. To me, they're, they're movies, they're fun, they're interesting. But what makes them a cultural phenomenon... Uh, 
I have a clue. This theme stood out from the rest and still does to this day. It was not only used for Burton's sequel, Batman Returns, but also in the very popular cartoon, Batman the Animated Series, and became as essential to the character as having pointy ears and a cape. Just on a side note, the music from Batman the Animated Series was composed by the late great Shirley Walker, who was a part of Danny Elfman's orchestra for Batman in 1989. She was playing with him. She was working alongside Elfman for this film. Walker took Elfman's theme as a blueprint for her own version of Batman in the Animated Series and used his influence to create her own world. And I certainly hope to review it in a future episode of this podcast. Elfman's Batman score has popped up recently, in fact, in Justice League. He manages to squeak in his Batman theme as we come to a scene where Commissioner Gordon is waiting on the rooftop with the bat signal lit. And as Gordon looks up and sees Batman, we hear the Batman march ominously being played intertwined with the Justice League score. to Danny Elfman and his Batman score as well. What inspired it? And who were Elfman's influences? Well, Danny Elfman was born on May 29th, 1953 and grew up in Los Angeles. In his early life, he hung out with what he referred to as the band geeks. And he spent a lot of time hanging out in the local movie theater, adoring films scored by composers such as Franz Waxman and Bernard Herrmann. And Herman is who we are going to focus on heavily for this film, as his musical style and career match Elfman's Batman score almost to a T. For those who don't know who Bernard Herman is, he was the composer for such films as Citizen Kane, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Mysterious Island, Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho, Cape Fear, The Twilight Zone, and Taxi Driver. Let's take a look at the score for Mysterious Island in comparison to the B theme of the Batman track, or the March part of the theme as I called it earlier. We'll start with a track titled Battle. Listen for the marching drums and the driving force of this track. Now 
now that's fresh in your mind, listen to it compared to the Batman March or the B theme. similar right you can almost replace elfman with herman for this film and you would have the same exact approach and style next let's have a look at herman's score for vertigo in comparison to the a theme of the batman score with a track titled farewell and the tower Again, now that's fresh in your mind, let's quickly go into the Batman score and see if you can spot the notes that are almost identical in parts. How close are those two tracks? Herman even plays the first several notes of the Batman theme there. La 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 la. You can hear it in Herman's score in Farewell on the Tower. And once again, the notes and the pace of this part of the Batman theme is very much like the typical structure of a villain's theme. Its dark and ominous tones are the type of cues you expect to hear in a horror film when the supernatural force or the killer is looming around the corner or suddenly appears on screen, which is a brave but fantastic choice by Elfman. Batman is a dark and mysterious character who hides in the shadows and besides fighting crime, he essentially is a villain. His whole image is based on striking fear into the hearts of criminals and becoming their worst nightmare. Not far off from characters or psychological characters like Freddy or unstoppable mass villains like Jason. Remember how I said earlier that the B theme or the march of the Batman theme is used in an action sequence or moments of triumph? Well, let's have a look at some key sequences where it's used to really intensify the scene or make you cheer and want to stand up and rally for the hero. The first sequence where this march is fully explored is during the movie's second act finale, The Batmobile Getaway, or as it's titled, Batman to the Rescue. 
This scene involves Batman crashing through a window to a great fanfare of music by Elfman and then keeping the intensity throughout the entire chase with the percussion and horns at full blast as our hero rescues Vicky Vale from Joker and then makes a getaway into the coolest looking Batmobile we have ever seen. Another great use of the march is during the third act of the film, where Batman suits up and drives the Batmobile with its full arsenal of weapons into action as he storms the Axis chemicals and takes down Joker's hideout in a series of explosions. Notice how Elfman changes the beat of the march here and slows it down, but still maintains its intensity. And finally, the B theme or the march is played during the Joker's parade sequence. The march is in full blast here, and I can't help but get chills every time I hear it. I don't know why the march pumps me up the way it does, but this sequence is undoubtedly my favourite use of the Batman theme. The scene involves Batman piloting his Batwing, which once again is the coolest looking Batplane we've ever had, and we watch it as it soars through the sky and literally rains down on the Joker's parade. Terrible joke, I know. Huh. Joke. Okay, I'll stop now. The sound design, though, of the Batwing is also something to notice. It almost sounds like a fighter jet mixed with a UFO, or some kind of space-age technology, and really intensifies its action.
like balloons. Those are my balloons. God, I love that scene. Okay. All right, we've talked a lot about Batman this episode, which is to be expected because he is the main title character of the film. But let's talk about another character that belongs in the same spotlight as Batman, which is Bruce Wayne, played by Michael Keaton, who I think does an amazing job of both being Batman and and Bruce Wayne in this film. But anyway, there is one score for Bruce Wayne in this film. Now, there is a score that he shares with Vicky Vale, which is their love theme, which we'll certainly get into in another episode. But there is one score that we hear just for Bruce Wayne, and it's actually darker and moodier than the Batman score. It is during the scene where he's having a flashback of his parents' murder. I want you to listen to certain noises that Elfman introduces into this part of the score. He doesn't have any drums, there is no percussion, there's no driving march, there's nothing inspirational about it. It is just dark, moody, and it is very sad as Bruce flashes back to his parents being murdered and you have an echo on the keys, which is very much reminiscent of an echo of a memory as he's thinking back to that tragic moment where his life changed forever. You also have a choir coming in with this very ominous, creepy noise that they're giving out as it's almost like they're being drifted off 
into the distance and becoming a forgotten memory. I'm getting very in-depth, I know, but listen to it as Elpen really has no march, no driving theme, no powerful fanfare behind it. It is just a sad piece of music and very ominous. This concludes our first part of reviewing the soundtrack for Batman. In the next episode, I'll explore the Joker's theme, the love theme for Bruce Wayne and Vicky Vale, the love theme for the Joker and Vicky Vale, and also explore their influences and their variations throughout the film. I hope you enjoyed this review, and please subscribe and rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to me on right now, as it truly is a big help and sincerely appreciated. You can also visit us on Facebook at Superhero Soundtrack Show and share the page as... I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. You can also write me at SuperheroSoundtrack at gmail.com as I want to hear what this score meant to you and your memories of it growing up. I also would love to receive your feedback on the podcast and any requests you have for future episodes. 
You can also check me out on two other podcasts that I do with my brother, one titled Spider-Man the Animated Series Podcast, where we review the 90s animated series, we interview voice actors and writers and creators from that show, along with review episodes. Plus, we also do another show called Casting Call, where we recast famous films or TV shows and interpret them and what they would look like in the modern day. I like them already. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's it. Until next time, I've been Alex Robson, and this has been the Superhero Soundtrack Show. Thank you.